You're listening to Brunch with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday morning. So let's turn to our next topic and guest of today. In the next 20 minutes or so, we're talking about student-centered assessment. Now, in a culture where we often feel a bit anxious uh, receiving or getting feedback, how can we encourage our students to critique their own work? And uh, how can teachers provide a better framework for assessment? To chat about this, I'm really delighted to be joined by Dr. Yuso Niaminen, who's an assistant professor from the Academic Unit of Social Context and Policy of Education from the Faculty of Education from the University of Hong Kong. Welcome to the program, Professor Niaminen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Lovely to be here. We are also live this morning on Facebook, so I'd love for our listeners to join us there if you can. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the Facebook page. So let's start from the basics. Um, how would you sort of describe, how would you explain uh, student-centered assessment? What is that exactly? Yeah, so the key to the definition is really in the word itself. So student-centered assessment is assessment that places students themselves and students' learning learning processes in the very center of assessment. We often do assessment for other kinds of reasons. We often think that assessment is the job of our teachers. Teachers are the ones who should assess our students, and they do that for multiple reasons, often uh, not controlled by our teachers, of course, but by societies around around the teachers' educational systems. Um, and that's very understandable. But student-centered assessment really focuses on students. And importantly, it you know, challenges this idea that assessment should be the job of the teachers and sees assessment instead as the job of the students. If students are the one who should, ones who should be learning, then assessment should also be the job of our students. They should be the active agents in assessment, not, not only our teachers. Yeah. Can you sort of give us some examples of some uh, of this type of assessment? Sure. I can give you some good and some bad examples. Maybe I can start from a bad example. It is quite common to portray, uh, for example, self and peer assessment as some kinds of student-centered practices. And that is often the case when we ask our students to self-assess their own learning, their own performance or work that's often quite student-centric, that asks the students to be active and really reflect on their own learning. But there is also a danger of doing that in a rather teacher-centric way. So it might be that the teacher gives uh, the students a self-assessment task and the teacher wants the students to be accurate and honest. And the teacher pretty much determines the whole process for the students. And that's eventually quite teacher-centric. <laughs> so my better example would be uh, some kind of an assessment task or design that really uh, emphasizes student creativity, critical thinking, perhaps some kind of a portfolio say a digital portfolio where the student can students can really uh, store some different kinds of artifacts that uh, describe their own learning process. I'm a mathematics teacher myself as my background. So uh, I, I could use the example of um, using a portfolio where students can store videos, images about their mathematical learning. And in that sense, uh, really make the assessment process meaningful for themselves. Yeah. Wow. That's good to know. I guess in my intro, I gave a bad example of getting the students to critique the, the, their own work. So it's good to be corrected. Thank you so much. Uh, indeed. Um, let, let's go on, on the point that you mentioned, this portfolio. Um, now, essentially, um, they have their own voice because each student will learn at their own pace. So will the assessment be the same across the board or will the portfolio sort of be different from student to student? How, how does it work? 
This is a very tricky question. I think I see this eventually as an ethical question of whether assessment should be the same for all students. Often we think that that is the case with fair assessment. Assessment is fair when it is the same for all students and the standards are the same. Um, as an educator, I would say that the standards, they need to be the same for all students, the assessment criteria. But that doesn't mean that the assessment has to be exactly the same for every, every student. And in fact, a portfolio is a good example of a practice that allows students to show their diverse uh, forms of knowing and, and diverse forms of abilities. Say, if you, uh, again, using the context of mathematics as an example, students are understanding of a single mathematical concept could be demonstrated in so many different ways. One student would, would be able to demonstrate their knowledge by filling up a test. Another student might use, uh, might be able to demonstrate the same knowledge by drawing a picture or making a video or explaining the mathematical concept to their little sister in a way that her, their little sister could understand it. What I mean is that there are many ways of demonstrating your skills and your abilities. And that those diverse ways could also be captured by assessment if, if it aims to be student-centric. That still means that the standards could be the same for all students. You can just meet those standards in different kinds of ways. That's such a great way to look at things as well, because I think here in Hong Kong, and I'd say a, a lot of places in Asia, actually a global trend, is that our assessments tend to be um, test-based. You know, we're very sort of results-driven, test-based, um, and that often determines, and that's a whole chunk of, of, the, of the student's assessment. But some students don't necessarily do so well in exams um, also. Should that be also altered, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a shame to see students here in Hong Kong who are so capable and so full of different kinds of skills and abilities and strengths who only think about their own skills from the viewpoint exams and tests and scores when there's there are so many different ways of demonstrating their knowledge. As a professional myself, I'm very glad that no one assesses my skills as an adult protests or exams because that wouldn't represent my skills at all if, if i would give you a test about your abilities to host a radio show exactly. wouldn't really be the best possible way of demonstrating your skills and there are good days and bad days so if it was a bad day then if that determined my career then i probably wouldn't be here <laughs> absolutely <laughs> exactly exactly so in terms of the impact, I mean, what sorts of impact have you seen by allowing students or placing their own voice in the center of assessment? This is, this is a question that might sound very practical, but again, I see this as a rather uh, substantial ethical question. Every time we really allow someone to have their voice heard in the matters of education or politics, that's always a tricky thing to do because if, if I can force you to do something, but if I really allow you some voice, you could actually disagree with me, or you can use your voice to do things that I, as a teacher, might think are quite adaptive to learning. So I did a recent um, review article, which means that me and my team, we collected all the studies conducted about uh, uh, having student voice heard in assessment design, ultimately having students, allowing students to have a voice in the matters of assessment design. Having, seeing students as co-designers of assessment. And what we found in this review study uh, was that uh, mostly students benefited from this. They learned how and why assessment is conducted, which is uh, wonderful and, and quite significant. Even secondary students could have understanding of, okay, now the teacher is using a test, now the teacher is using a portfolio. Why does this happen? How does it benefit my own learning? But that wasn't always the case. 
And this is actually something that I've uh, faced as a, as a teacher myself. When you allow voice to someone else, they might use the voice to do something surprising and <laughs> perhaps even something unacceptable. So um, we found some studies that really led into a catastrophe, <laughs> which might happen. That That is really, again, a very ethical question of whether we want to uh, allow our students to develop their critical thinking uh, or not. And to do that, we need to allow them some, some voice in assessment. It, we can't force anyone to become a critical thinker, so it's a very tricky question. <laughs> it comes down to control at the end of the day. How much control are we willing to give students for or ownership of their own studies? And that is always the lifelong question because teachers are professionals and they should know better. But then it comes down to that, as you mentioned, you know, that question if the students journey, they know how they learn best. And it's really difficult. Some students are very good at sort of following the orders, but some students may need a little bit more guidance and some students may be able to carve their own way. It's it's really a, a, a tricky question. I mean, you're, you're the expert in this, you study this, yes. <laughs> and I think this is why it's so important to uh, conduct student-centered assessment not only student-centered teaching practices, because assessment is the one piece of educational systems that is all about control. It is a controlling element. Uh, it is a way of sorting and ranking students. And that's that's an element that we constantly get rid of. And I don't even argue that we should get rid of that. But I do think that that controlling element means that we should also hear the student's voice every time that is possible. And when that is possible, that is in classroom assessment, in that assessment that our teachers conduct in their classroom. And that's really the only way I think in a society like Hong Kong, where we can allow students to develop their critical thinking through assessment. So we should make use of that uh, possibility. Yeah, it, it comes down to the culture of the school as well. If you've got a school that perhaps doesn't allow much um, student-led student assessment or even teacher's input, you know, maybe a lot of things are sort of set in stone. Does it also come down to the culture of, of the individual uh, institution? Absolutely. I would say that it's all about the culture. Uh, there's a, Often when I talk about student-centered assessment, the objection that I get from teachers is that my students are not uh, developed enough. Maybe I can't ask my primary students to uh, take part in self-assessment or peer assessment. And I understand that. I'm often the teachers are correct. But really, I would say that it's even more about the culture. Um, last year, I conducted two studies uh, about uh, student-centered assessment. In both of these studies, I asked students to co-design assessment together with me and, and the teacher, of course. And these two case studies were conducted in a Finnish, I'm Finland, by the way, from a, in a Finnish uh, secondary school and in a university in Hong Kong. And guess what? The secondary students were actually better at this because it was easier to create that culture with these younger students. With adults, uh, they already have such a strong cultural background and understanding of how and why assessment should be conducted. It was actually much harder to uh, argue and kind of sell this idea of student-centered assessment. So the culture is is the most important thing, but how to change a learning culture or assessment culture? That that is a very tricky question. That is that that is a topic definitely for for another day, and we'll definitely re revisit that. Um, Professor Niaminen, you, you mentioned earlier that you're Finnish. I mean, is that also part of um, the culture, the education culture in Finland? It's world renowned um, for for you know for, for breeding very great students, very happy students uh, as well. Um, would you say it's sort of student centered assessment though or do they employ strategies of student um, centered assessments 
Again, depends on the school and the culture. Actually, not really. So Finland only has one public education system. So I would say that it does not uh, depend on the school. The schools are rather homogeneous compared to a city like Hong Kong that has different educational systems, private schools, public schools. Uh, Finland doesn't have that kind of a a tiered system, only one public uh, educational system. Schools are very similar. Uh, We don't have uh, high sex testing in comprehensive education at all. So not in primary, not in a lower secondary education. Basically, teachers have a strong autonomy to do whatever they want to when it comes to assessment. Uh, but what we know based on large scale data sets, uh, studies conducted by me as well, is that teachers mostly use exams. There's a lot of cultural, historical baggage in Finland. Uh, the pedagogy is still, when it comes to assessment, rather traditional, which is interesting because there are no high stakes tests regulating and controlling the system in a similar way as, as, as in Hong Kong, for example. So it, it, it's interestingly a culture that is focused on testing, but there's no stress. Students are extremely uh, not stressed. <laughs> so in, in our measurements and in the, in the PISA measurements as well, we know that Finland ranks as one of the lowest countries. Uh, ranks as one of the countries that has the lo- one of the lowest scores in uh, stress and anxiety yes, in school. That's right. So very happy Very students. different kind of a culture. Yeah, so exactly. still sort of what I'm hearing is still it's very test-based and I'm surprised to hear that. I I, I didn't know that. I, I, I expect it not to be, but mm-hmm. I, I suppose, as you mentioned, there's a sort of historical uh, context to, to it being sort of more uh, exam-orientated. So let's talk about, um, uh, back to Hong Kong, uh, how can teachers sort of navigate this and how can teachers teach through a more student-centered uh, approach? What's your recommendation? Uh, I would say that a good starting point is simply talking about assessment with your students, making sure that your students understand why and how assessment is conducted. Um, let me use the example of self-assessment again. Kind of a mistake that I see teachers doing, a mistake that I've done myself so many times, uh, is that you design a wonderful self-assessment task, give it to your students, and expect your students to benefit from the task exactly in ways that you have determined. And it might not always go the way the students might think that just boring self-assessment task or don't pay too much attention to it. And in these situations, I would always tell my students, this is what we're doing right now. I think it might be beneficial for you because blah, 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 blah. And if it doesn't work for whichever reason, that could be also framed as a learning opportunity for those students. So don't simply leave it, leave it there as a teacher. If it didn't work, have a chat about that with your student. All right, so you thought self-assessment was very boring and useless. Why? How could we develop this practice together? These kinds of conversations might be very, very powerful in the classroom situation. So for me, this dialogue is always the key, yeah. which means that even though it is student-centered, the teacher still has to be the expert, of course, who facilitates these dialogues. Yeah. What sorts of challenges did you hear then when you talk to teachers here in Hong Kong um, about student-centered assessment? What do they tell you? <laughs> um, the attitude that I often often face is a rather cynical attitude about the possibilities of doing anything like this in the classroom in, in, in Hong Kong. Um, I, I, I think it's a bit of a shame. I absolutely understand the context with high stakes testing. That's a part of the that's a profound part of the lives of teachers and students in Hong Kong. Um, and there's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. It's it is a very tricky context. Um, 
perhaps I'm a bit frustrated as a Scandinavian scholar working in this context because I can see such a big discrepancy between what is what reads in the curriculum and what happens in practice. Uh, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned start curriculum. From yeah. It's because they're so busy with their curriculum. I say they, I mean schools are so busy to get through the curriculum. Um, and so student-centered assessment might actually take a bit of a detour, as beneficial as it is. Um, it, sometimes maybe they just don't have time to do that. It's just like we just need to get from A to B to C um, without taking that longer route. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, if it's so beneficial, um, schools can look to explore uh, this sort of uh, method. And again, it goes back to culture. Even if people know that something would work, something would uh, explicitly uh, enhance the test scores of our students. We know that based on research, blah, 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 blah. It might still not mean that these practices are used in actual practice. It's, it's all about culture. And I would say that there's, there's still quite a lot of, uh, a lot of stakes student well-being is at stake. So to me, student-centered assessment is not only a matter of student learning. We also have the ethical responsibility to take care of our students' well-being, for example. So I do think that there's almost an ethical responsibility for us to uh, promote these kinds of practices, make sure that our students amid all this stress and anxiety about tests and, and exams, that they have these breathing spaces uh, that could be done with student-centered assessment, that these breathing spaces in classrooms that really focus on learning rather than on the societal other purposes of assessment of sorting, ranking, competition. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, I think Hong Kong still has a, a long way to go because competition is, is fierce. And it starts, I think people say it starts on in the starting line, which is when you're born. Um, it's a famous sort of phrase here in Hong Kong. I think part of it also is, I think teachers growing up didn't have that student-centered assessment. So it's not part of the culture. Thinking back, we never really had it at our school. You know, we, we do something, the teacher corrects it, we get tested, and then you, know, you go through with, with the motions a little bit. It's a relatively new concept um, that, that should be explored. And, and like you said, mm -hmm. once you give a voice to, to the students, they become more empowered, they become more engaged in their own learning, you know, with their, forging their own path. And that, that should be the case. It's their own life. It's, it's their own education. Exactly. And also, I do think that, uh, I mean, I uh, understand teachers' uh, busyness. Absolutely. I'm a teacher myself. I'm a very busy teacher myself. <laughs> so I understand. But I do think that quite often by developing student-centered assessment, we can also make teachers' life a bit easier. I would say that if you're very stressed and busy as a teacher, do less, do better and do way less. Yes. Just get rid of one of the tests that you do in your classroom and use that time to do Less. <laughs> Work smart. Yes, that's right. Oh, well, exactly. <laughs> it's such a great discussion. And yes, you're right. Teachers are so busy here in Hong Kong. Their workload is, is phenomenal. And, and they do a really great job sort of keeping up um, w mm. with everything, really, during COVID, navigating. So, you know, I, I love covering teacher topics. Um, definitely one that we can revisit another day. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Yuso Niaminen, who is an assistant professor from the Academic Unit of Social Context and Policies of Education from the Faculty of Education at HKU. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you so much. That was an interview. And now a quick look at the weather.